Welcome to the Imperfect Game Podcast. I'm Sean Melia. We're talking about Leicester City today with Boff Long. Boff, what's going on? Not much. Um, just hanging out right now. Um, today's episode's kind of special. I'm shooting it from um, a special location. I'm, I'm in Midtown Manhattan right now on the east side. Um, and uh, so you might hear a little bit of uh, traffic in the background, but um, maybe a little bit of character, a little bit of spice. To the flavor, absolutely. We're talking about we're talking about Leicester, so why wouldn't we have you know a bustling metropolis in the background? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> nice. Um, so this is um, the first episode and the first club that we are talking about who has actually won the uh, the Premier League, and we thought we would do it a little bit differently because Leicester City's story is is pretty unique. Um, there are only six clubs to have actually won the Premier League since 92. Uh, Leicester is definitely the least likely of the six. Um, Blackburn probably would have an argument to make as well. But those two teams are the real, the only two that stand out as uh, non-big clubs, uh, one-time winning clubs. Other than that, it's the two teams from Manchester, um, Arsenal, and Chelsea. That's nice. it. Um, and Liverpool is will soon be in that club as well, unless something disastrous happens. So we're not going to spend as much time, um, or at least I'm not going to spend as much time looking back on the history. Uh, and instead, we're going to talk quickly about just the founding of the club, the city a little bit, very little bit. And then we're going to kind of flash forward all the way to 2007, uh, 2008, when uh, this this rise, they were they were at the bottom. Um, felt like a, a good spot to start. So we are in Leicester City. Uh, Leicester City is in the East Midlands. Uh, it's a relatively small city, three hundred fifty thousand people. Uh, it is in the heart of the uh, the island of uh, Great Britain, and this is one of the oldest cities in England, which I didn't know. It dates back to the first or century BC, um, and the Romans ended up there in the in 47 AD. So it is an old old place. Um just a little bit of a little bit of backstory. Leicester City plays in the King Power Stadium, uh which was built in 2002, by far the youngest stadium that we have talked about. Um it is an infant compared to Molyneux and <laughs> Ellen Road and all those other great stadiums. But they were playing in on Filbert Street from 1891 to 2002. So they were playing in a stadium for 111 years uh, before moving out into King Power, which was also called uh, the Walkers Stadium after the food group. Um, they make delicious potato chips. Uh, not the kind you put on a on a <laughs> greasy chip. <laughs> a greasy chip, buddy. Those are French fries, but they make great crisps, I guess they would they call them in England. Um Kind of like our ruffles. All right. Um, the fans of Leicester City. There's a couple cool little uh, traditions that they have. Um, starting in 1941, the club started having a specific instrument played as teams came out onto the field called a post horn gallop. It is like a bugle that someone was really annoyed at and like just bent it out of shape and made it into a circle so it would never play again, and uh, somehow it still manages to play. So they play that live on the field as the teams walk out at every game, and then they play it through the through the sound system um, at halftime as the teams come out. 
Uh, that was really the only kind of big, no, no interesting songs that I could find. Um, they've got some rivals, uh, Nottingham Forest being the, the main rival and, um, the other rival Derby County is, is the kind of secondary rival up in the East Midlands there. There are so many teams in this part of the country that have, that have a lot of history, but those three teams, um, kind of consider themselves a little triumvirate of, of rivals, uh, and then Coventry City, which is just 24 miles away, is their is their other big derby derby game. Um, they play the M69 Derby because the M69 motorway connects to the two cities. Um, so a little bit about their fans um, and their rivals, and then their crest. I'm going to quiz you again. Do you know Do you know what's on their crest, Bob? Fox, a really nice looking fox. Yeah, so they're known as the foxes, um, and the fox. The fox is like a face, so it's not kind of a side view of a fox running. It's it is a straight on view of a fox's head and face, and it's it's actually if you look at the I didn't realize this until I uh, researched it. There's also a flower underneath the fox. Um, it almost looks like the fox has something around its neck, uh, and it's called a, a chinquefoil. It's a type of rose, um, and it's also appears on the coat of arms of Leicester City. So. Um, I guess that's the reason the, the inspiration it's a, yeah. Cinca foil, which Cinca foil. Yeah. C I N Q U E F O I L. Um, which I guess would mean like, what is, what is Cinca in? I, that sounds like Spanish. I didn't really look it up deeply enough, I guess, but I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to guess and sound like a fool. Um, (laughs) <laughs> uh and yep. uh, and the foxes um are are well uh populated in the Leicester area um and also fox hunting is a popular uh pastime in in the area around Leicester and the East Midlands so that is naturally how they became the foxes. So Leicester City started as a club with a different name um in 1884 the old boys at Wigginston School, which is a prep school in Leicester, started Leicester Fosse Football Club, uh, just named after a street in Leicester. So this prep school wanted a, wanted a team, and that's how Leicester was uh, was formed initially back in way back in 1884. In 1890, they joined the Football Association or the FA. Uh, and they were part of the Midland League in 1891. Um, and the Midland League was a semi-pro league, uh, and it was a feeder into the actual main football league of England, uh, which was kind of the goal of, of any semi-pro or professional team. Um, that's the that's what Crystal Palace and Chelsea applied for in our last podcast in 1905, and Chelsea was accepted, and, and uh, Crystal Palace was not and they ended up in the Southern League for a little bit. Um, so they ended up in the Football League, and that didn't happen until 1894. And from 1894 up until just after World War I, um, Leicester was known as Leicester Fosse. So that that name and that, that era of the club lasted from 1884 all the way up until 1919. Um, and then they hit some financial difficulties Unfortunately, there were no uh, foreign investors back then who could come and save the day. So the club needed to be reformed. 
um, and they were reformed as Leicester City, um, Leicester City uh, Football Club. And the reason for the name actually was because the Leicester had just been named a city by um, by the king. And so it was a point of pride for Leicester, and hence they decided, well, let's let's call ourselves Leicester City. We just we just got this this title. So that's 1919, um, and that's kind of where I'm going to stop with the history, except for just talking about the highlights um, of this team throughout the throughout the years. Uh, one distinction that they have is they've actually won the most second division or. Um, in this case now it would be called the championship uh they've won they've won that that tier that second tier of english football the most out of any club um they are tied with manchester city for seven different uh championships in the in this in the second flight so 1924 25 season 1936 37 uh 1953 54 19 56 57 which means they uh they got relegated pretty quickly there when you you don't want to win the champions uh, the championship division too closely together because it means you're going up and down pretty quickly yeah. um 1970 1971 uh 79 and 80 and then 2013 2014 season which uh just predates their only first division premier league championship which did occur in 2015 um, there's only one other year they were even close, and that was 1928-1929 season when they finished in second place. So a team that has some has some success kind of at the second level, um, maybe kind of a always the bridesmaid, uh, never the bride kind of situation for them. Um, on Twitter, a lot of the a lot of the fans that I reached just kind of reached out and asked for a couple Lester podcasts to ask their fans what word they would use roller coaster uh, came up a bunch of times um, and looking at their at their history it has definitely been kind of an up and down type of uh, of history so that's what they've won they've won seven second division and one first division title in England uh, they have never won the FA Cup they've been runners-up four times um, and they have won the League Cup three times they won it in 1964 1997 and 2000. So that's a little bit of trophy trophy history for for Lester. Now let's go all the way to 2007 2008. Are you ready, Both? Do it. We are, I think, eight seasons away right now at this point from Lester winning. But this season, 2007-2008, they were relegated from the first division to the second division. it was the first time that they were ever in that tier of English football. So it was really a low point for the club. Um, I want you to guess how many people they had manage a game during the season. Uh, manage a game like just lights or like water bottles, kit, all that stuff. Like what's like uh, <laughs> like they had they needed someone to, to manage the team for a game. How many guys could say I was the manager for at least one game of a Leicester City match in the 2007-2008 year? If I had a guess, I'd, I'm going to guess five. Eight. Wow. 
Wow. They had eight different managers. They had three guys who were the who kind of managed the brunt of the games, but between the hirings, they needed you know guys to just be interims or or uh, or step in for a game or two. So the first manager was Martin Allen. He did not make it to September. Um, this is a name that's going to really blow your mind. He got in an argument with the chairman at that point, who was uh, uh, Milan Mandarich, over two specific signings. One was Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Yes, what a name. <laughs> Absolute legend. Yep. Jimmy Floyd. Wow. <laughs> so I would imagine that Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank in 2008 was pretty washed. Um, yeah. Right? Like it, uh, the fact that a manager lost his job because he was bickering with the chairman about trying to sign a. a just a washed up Dutch striker is great. Um, and then the other player that they butted heads over was a name I didn't recognize, uh, Derek Riordan, who played for uh, Celtic. I can't freak out about that. Yeah, know. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was was just a great name to come across. I had completely forgotten about him. Um, so that got Martin Allen was was canned before we got to September. Um, and then Gary Megson joined. He was there for 41 days and then he bolted for uh, for he bolted for Bolton. Um, in October, and then Ian Holloway joined in November, and he saw out the season. Um, but under his uh, under his watch, they were relegated. They finished twenty second out of um, I think they have twenty four teams in the championship, right? Because they play forty six games, um, yeah. so you're going to play each team twice. So they finished twenty second uh, and are at the at the nadir of their kind of club's history. Next year, um, they hired Nigel Pearson over the summer, and he managed to get Leicester City back into the championship. Uh, he was the first manager in five years to actually last an entire season at Leicester City. So from two thousand three to two thousand, or two, yeah, two thousand three to two thousand eight, they did not have one single manager who started the season and ended the season with them, which uh, which I think is why they were in the in the uh where they were in league one uh it was a pretty remarkable season they earned 96 points uh they went undefeated or unbeaten from november 1st to march 7th uh, which was a stretch of 23 games and over the 46 game season they lost just four games um and i think we've known now that after talking about leeds and sheffield wednesday and watching a little bit more closely the the lower leagues of England, it is so hard to be consistent um, at that level. So to lose four games was uh, pretty impressive. They made the third round of the FA Cup, and they made the second round of the League Cup that year. Um, so really unimpressive runs there too, but that's to be expected. 2009-2010, uh, Nigel Pearson is still there. And they are now in the championship. Uh, the club didn't add any big names. They were just trying to add youth uh, and eliminate some of the older players. Um, considering they finished in 22nd place two years before, you know, expectations were, were not very high. However, the club uh, were in the playoff hunt for most of the season, which is a top six spot. Um, they finished in sixth place. They lost to Cardiff in the playoff semifinals in a PK shootout. So this is the first one of a couple crazy, um, you know, finishes in the playoffs for Leicester City, and it's 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 giving me more and more of a reason to to actually think about buying a ticket in May and going out and trying to watch one of these games because they truly are incredible. Um, so they got knocked out by Cardiff City, penalty kicks. They remain in the championship. 
Um, however, Nigel Pearson is on his way out. So he lasts two seasons, and he had a feeling he was not going to come back when Paolo Souza, who is, is that a name that you know, Both? Yes, it is. So I guess he's a Portuguese international. Yep. Um, as well. He was, he was in the crowd for Leicester City's playoff matches the year before. <laughs> so okay. Nigel Pearson read the writing on the wall, had a feeling that um, he was not the man for the job for the next season, and he left. He got a job at Hull City, and Paulo Souza uh, came in um, and ran the team. He was the first non-English or Irish manager that Leicester City ever had. However, he only lasted nine games, and he was gone by October 1st. Leicester City was dead last in the championship, so not a great run. Um, and then another manager was hired two days later, another foreign manager. Uh, I believe he... No, he didn't coach. He, he coached the English national team. He's Swedish. Sven-Gorn Eriksson. Yeah. He didn't coach... He didn't manage Arsenal ever, right? No. No, they just they just dance together sometimes. Yeah. Sven- just, Eriksson- his name always came up. He deserves his own kind of point bucket. Uh, he's, he's a name that, that will come up a lot more, I think, in the future. For sure. So he he uh, he gets hired two days later after Souza is is fired. He got them back into top six contention, um, but they ultimately finished middle of the table when they, you know, the last the last eight weeks of the season were not great from February to April. Um, but he kept them up. He got them out of relegation out of uh, relegation. And I'd say most importantly, during this year, um, in February 2011, a new owner comes to town. Um, we're going to call him Vishai S. Because I don't want to butcher his last name. And I don't think you do either, Both. No, I can try it, but... <laughs> um, so he buys, the, he buys the club in 2011. He is the owner of uh, King Power Duty Free. Um, he, is a, he is from Thailand. Um, and this truly is a turning point looking backwards from the championship year. He bought the club for 39 million pounds, which, um, I guess I, I think it's a staggering amount because he also purchased a stadium to go along with, with that. And the stadium was just eight years old. Um, some could argue that a stadium is, would cost that itself and that he just bought the, he got the club for free. Yeah. Um, so Vishai, before we kind of move on, because he is a he is a huge impact on the club. Um, sadly, after the club won the title, so we did get to see uh, and experience that um, he he died in a really tragic helicopter accident um, that happened incredibly right outside of the stadium um, in 2017, I believe it was. Mm. And uh, he was with, I think, another another kind of member of the Lester board, and maybe his wife and a, and the wife of that other man. Um, and the the helicopter left from the stadium and crashed almost immediately outside of the stadium in the parking lot. Um, and it was really it was really horrific. He was he it. There's no bright side to anything like this, but when you when someone passes away dr- tragically, uh, the outpouring of support and love that this guy got after it happened 
um, for me really stood out and it was, it was, it just showed that he was not this, um, not this man who kind of had, had Leicester city at a distance. Um, he definitely bought into the whole experience of being a Leicester city chairman and being uh, a Leicester, a Leicester almost citizen. Um, some really cool stories just about him that I, that I saw. He gave away 60 season tickets, 60 free drinks and 60 free pies on his 60th birthday. Um, he donated 2 million pounds to a children's hospital in Leicester. Uh, he gifted 1 million pounds to the city's university's medical department. Um, and also, which I'll talk about later cause it's an, it's an incredible story. Uh, he helped the reburial of Richard III by donating or offering $100,000 to help dig up Richard III and move him back to Leicester where he is, uh, where Richard III is now buried. <laughs> so, like, he was a part of this community, um, and and I think he deserved a, a, just a little bit of our time. And, Both, I don't know if you – I just talked and rambled if you have any other thoughts. Yeah, uh, I think – for me, one of the, the first times uh, Vichai S um, kind of popped on my radar in terms of being an owner that was different and an owner that was a little bit um, of a different class was when I heard stories of him buying away or traveling away fans beer at at um, other stadiums. <laughs> all the stadium ahead of time and said, hey, anybody with a Leicester that could prove that they're like Leicester fans gets free beer on me. And he did this for, you know, away matches and home matches. Home matches, sometimes I think he would uh, dress each chair with a scarf or something or a shirt. Um, and, I mean, like, you know how, like, the Celtics will kind of, like, throw shirts out for you? Yeah, um, yeah, the, the T-shirt toss and you get a free one, usually, like, playoff games. Right. So kind of of that same kind of spirit of, you know, um, saying thank you to the fans for the support uh, in a way that um, – was more, I guess, warm and endearing and kind of genuine than, um, I don't know, than some some other owners that we've we've seen or talked about. For sure, I mean, we've talked. To, we've we have the the running joke at this point of foreign money coming in and and not really entirely, um, you know, jumping in with two feet into the community. I think he uh, Vishai did, and it it meant a lot to the people of Leicester. And then obviously, when you win a championship like they did against all odds um it it kind of made him a a, a a hero in that in that part of england right yeah so he uh his his thumbprint was all over uh this specific leicester team too i think you know i, I think his his legacy definitely lives on and it, it even even though he's been he's been gone for two years um I think this this latest version of Leicester City he'd be very proud of and I think I think deep down they 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 know they play for him and that his uh his legacy lives on. So that was a big deal in 2011. I mean, foreign money comes in, buys up this buys up this uh this stadium and this club. Um this is when Caster when Casper Schmeichel um also arrives at Leicester. So this is the this is the beginning of the team and the core um, of Leicester um, being built. And I think a lot of managers and a lot of team builders, builders would say you start from the back and you work your way up the middle. And yeah. that's uh, as we as we start to name these players, that is the theme that Leicester City 
uh, worked on as they built. Um, 2011-2012, Sven can't even make it to Halloween. So so he's out. (laughs) No Sven. No more Sven. Uh, He's sacked on October 24th. They were in 13th place in the championship. Uh, And a month later, Nigel Pearson comes back. Um, or sorry, a month later, Nigel Pearson comes back uh, for his second stint as manager. Uh, but the team really was just good enough to stay in the middle of the table. Not nothing really exciting. They were relatively safe. Um, Wes Morgan and Danny Drinkwater at this point are also added to the team. Two more uh, vital cogs in the middle of the field for and the back for um, for Leicester City. Wes Morgan is like just a Leicester City lifer, right. um, an exceptional center back who who was great the year they won. Um, 2012-2013, Nigel Pearson had the team in second place at the beginning of February, which is really when uh, things start to get tight and teams start to get tired. Um, This championship season is not like a Premier League season. There are so many more games. Um, Granted, there are fewer fewer, uh, games in Europe and they're not traveling as much, but it's just a grind. Uh, teams don't have enough money to really build depth. So that's what happened here. Uh, they were first, second place in February. They went on a terrible run. Uh, they only won two of their next 16 games. They ended up in eighth place on the final match day. And on this final match day, they beat Nottingham Forest, which was a big deal anyways, because they are rivals um, on a very late goal. And Bolton, who had lost... Uh, and was ahead of them, got jumped. So Leicester City found themselves with the final playoff spot. And that's where I sent you this I sent you this video of of how how the semifinal for Leicester City went down against Watford. Yeah. Um and you had seen that before. And maybe right. I think you said you had mentioned it on the podcast before. I referenced that I believe in the Wolves podcast. Okay. I want to say so the I guess the way this goes down is the top two teams go automatically through and then the last four play uh, for that final spot so it's like a final four um, so this is the semifinal so they are playing to play the final match of the championship season with a trip to the Premier League on the line um, that game has been talked about on this podcast before it is worth what 170 million pounds yeah the um, most in, in all of football. Yes. Uh, so Leicester City are on the doorstep of playing in that game. Um, the semifinal is an aggregate, so there's each team gets a home game. And in the 97th minute, with the game tied on aggregate 2-2, two to two, Leicester City gets a penalty kick. And a guy named Knockhart uh, steps up, takes the penalty, and he misses it. It is saved by the goalie. However, the ball comes right back to him, and he tries to kick it in, and it and just it's, hits off the goalie again. Watford go on the break, and 10 seconds later, pretty much the last kick of the game, Troy Deeney, who still plays for Watford, uh, scored on the counterattack, sending Watford to the final, and I believe Watford won promotion. Now that I think about it, they've been up since 2013. Is that right? Just uh, an, I, I think that's right. Um, I didn't. I didn't think to look it up until I was just saying it. But 
I think Watford have been up since. So that game kind of changed Watford's trajectory and kind of knocked Leicester City off of this uh, little bit of a, a run that they were on, or at least just kind of getting better and getting closer to the Premier League. Um, and again, they were terrible in the FA Cup and the League Cup. They made it to the fourth round, which if you are a Premier League team or a championship team, you are automatically in the third round. So if you make the fourth round of the FA Cup, you won a game. Um, and the League Cup is the same. If you make it to the second round, you didn't win any games. Um, so they won one cup game that year. Um, not a great cup club in general. 2012, this season, um, they also signed Jamie Vardy. Um, and Harry Kane was on loan at Leicester City at, at, during the season, too, which I thought was just kind of <laughs> interesting. And I, I had no idea that he was on loan. So Jamie Vardy is another interesting case um, and just kind of fits in with this long odds Leicester side that ends up winning the championship. Do you do you know anything about his his past or his way to Leicester City? Yeah, Jamie Vardy, I think, um, needs his own movie. Um, this, this man has, has bounced around academies, has been, um, told no by many academies, top flight academies all over England, um, and finds himself, I think, working in some kind of factory and he's playing like seventh division football. Um, I think that's maybe just a step above Sunday league or, you know, Boston ski and sports club kind of league, uh, <laughs> And he's playing. I, I believe he's playing in this in this uh, league and working like part time in a factory work. And he's like feeding himself gas station food, like stuff, stuff that you'd buy in the store outside of the of the uh, gas pump. Um, and just this like meteoric rise to the top. Uh, I mean, a true Cinderella story if I ever saw one. Yeah, it's it's astounding. So he he's a Sheffield kid i guess um yeah he was born in sheffield so he was in the sheffield wednesday academy and he was released when he was 16 years old um which would have been he's born in 87 so he was released when he was in in 2003 um so he goes and spends you know the next 10 years just trying to make it until leicester city find him um, he played with Stock, uh, Stocksbridge Park Steels, uh, breaking into the first team in 2007. He spent three seasons there, and then he went to uh, the football club Halifax Town in 2010. He scored 25 goals during that year and was the club's players player of the year, which I'm assuming means the players voted and uh, he was the player of the year. Um then he moved to Fleetwood Town in 2011 for an undisclosed fee. I'm guessing that undisclosed fee was uh, six meat pies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe five. <laughs> he scored 31 league goals that year, uh, and he won the team's player of the year. And that's kind of how he got discovered by Leicester City in 2012. At this point, he's 25 years old. Late bloomer late like very late bloomer um and he was signed for a non-league record transfer fee of one million pounds um and uh, the rest is kind of history and we'll talk about him a little bit as we as we go through here because he you know sets a bunch of records and is a is a 
huge player on the team that that wins. So that's that's their big signing that summer. So now we've got Schmeichel, we've got Wes Morgan, Danny Drinkwater, and Jamie Vardy all on the club, all playing with each other, all learning from each other. Uh, 2013-14, they win promotion to the Premier League by a mile. Um, they secured promotion with six games to spare, and they locked up the title with two games to spare. Uh, a pretty kind of just easy season. Um, and Wikipedia wrote, quote, Along the way, they broke several club records, including most points in a single season, which was 102, most league wins in a season, 31, most league home wins in a single season, 17, and most consecutive wins, 9, the most consecutive away league wins with 5, the longest unbeaten run away from home in the league at 13, and the most consecutive league games scored in 31. So they went 31 games without being shut out, um, which is which is pretty astounding. So they just kind of ran away with, with the league. Um, during that winter, another big signing occurred. So they clearly knew in January that they were going to have to kind of beef up for the Premier League, and they signed uh, Riyad Mahrez in 2014. Um, so that's that's the next big signing. Um, and I would say some would argue that that is, that is the most important signing that they made uh, over the course of those three or four years when they built towards this, towards this championship run. Um, 2014-15, the year before they won the championship, before they won the Premier League, um, they finished in 14th place. Uh, it was the first time in the Premier League in 10 years. However, the 14th place doesn't do their season any sort of justice. Um, I had no idea where they were, where they were sitting, and how tough the season was. Um, in the first twenty nine games, they earned nineteen points. Wow! Let that sit in. They were they were in last place on April eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth that weekend. Week week uh, match week thirty two. They were in dead last place. That must have been a hell of a finish to the season. Um, yes, you need, help. you need other teams to just absolutely collapse as well. Yeah, well, not when you not when you go on the run that they went on. So they they earned ten points in their first eighteen games, and then nine points in their next eleven games. The last nine games, they earned twenty two points out of a possible twenty seven. Uh, they just kind of went on this this crazy run um, and didn't really lose many. So there's a great Wikipedia is pretty great for all of the results. So they went on a, they lost one game coming out and one, then they tied one game um, from April 4th to May 24th. So those last nine games, they only gave away five points um, and ended up in 14th place. And there is a moment in history that people believe marked <laughs> marked this twist of fate. So I mentioned earlier that uh, Vishai helped relocate King Richard's remains. Right. Those remains were moved before uh, on the on the weekend that they made this last nine game run. Interesting. So, yeah, so they exhume, they exhume King Richard III's body. They bring it to Leicester. They bury it 
Uh, Vishai donates a hundred thousand pounds for this to happen. Um, the next game, the winning goal was scored by Andy King against West Ham United, and the Foxes were off. So that's kind of like this little bit of folklore that that Leicester people uh, kind of mark as the turning point for the club, um, yeah. because then they managed to stay up, and the next year is when they go on uh, on their run. Wow, it's just kind of an interesting of like cosmic powers coming into play. Yes, yes. So, uh, kind of an interesting. Um, th- so then we we head into the summer before they win. Uh, no one is giving them any. I mean, they are they finished 14th and had a great last nine games. Maybe people should have been paying attention to the fact that they had a great last nine games. Um, they hire Claudio Ranieri. Um, he was hired July 15th, 2015. Um, and Ranieri has managed 20 clubs. Leicester City was the 16th of those 20 clubs. It was the second English club. Um, Ranieri really built the Chelsea club that won the league um, that uh, Jose Mourinho ended up winning, Um, and Ranieri also was manager of the Chelsea club that finished in second place to Arsenal's Invincibles. So he had experienced some success in England um, and also just had an eye for building teams that could be successful. And the summer that he showed up, they had a pretty amazing uh, set of signings. So first off, they saw, they signed uh, N'Golo Conte from uh, Kane for 5.6 million pounds. Um, steal, absolute steal. Absolute steal. Uh, they signed uh, Shinji Okaza- um, Okazaki for 7 million. Uh which is like he he was a great player for that team. Yeah, um, off bench magic. Yeah, uh, Robert Huth they signed for three million from Stoke, and Christian Fuchs they signed uh, they signed for free from Schalke. And Fuchs and Wesley Morgan really were uh, the stalwarts in the back with Schmeichel for for this club. So that's that's what was going on that summer. Ranieri was signed. They go and they get Conte, Okazaki, Huth, and Fuchs. Um, just some just the 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 sprinkles on the top um and maybe Conte is is uh the yeast that helps the team rise cuz that guy is just a, just amazing so they opened the season as 5000 to 1 odds to win the premier league so if you if you go on like and if you look at nba uh odds right now right the atlanta hawks when i looked it up last week their odds to win the NBA title are 2,000 to 1, which okay. is insane considering they're not even going to make the playoffs. Like, we're halfway through the year almost. They're terrible. So the odds for Leicester, 5,000 to 1, which means if you bet a dollar, you'd win $5,000. Oh, that's good math. Yeah, that's that's how that works. <laughs> so if you bet $10... You're winning fifty thousand dollars, okay. Um, which really, which I don't know if you know the story about some some of the gambling houses who actually were buying out some bets in April, right? So there were there were there were guys who bet most likely just Leicester City diehards who you know would go down to the the bookie and just put their ten, throw their ten euro bet on Leicester City to win. Like they do every every season, um, right. and this one paid out. And uh, 
some of the some of the bookies went to these people in March and April and said, "We will pay you out. Um, you know, we'll give you seventy five thousand dollars right now um, to buy you out of this bet because if you win." like the the amount of money that people were going to win would have would have broken some some uh, some bookies wasn't it the the year that um the bookies shelled out the most money ever oh i would i i would imagine so cuz even if you get a couple people who who put down a little bit of money um it's going to add up but i i don't know if it if, if it was the most but i wouldn't be surprised um okay. another like crazy just just to put it in perspective Right now, um, Liverpool is one to twenty-five to win the uh, Premier League, which is the opposite of. So that means you have to bet twenty-five dollars to win a dollar. Right. Yeah. Now. Not good math. Not right. So that's that's like you bet a hundred bucks, they'll give you four bucks when when Liverpool wins. Um, so you have to bet a ton of money to to assure you're going to win anything. Um, Buster Douglas when he beat. Mike Tyson, his odds were 42 to one. And that was seen as an incredible, uh, an incredible upset. The Miracle Mets in 1969 were 100 to one uh, to win the World Series before before they did it. So 5,000 to one uh, is insane. I have to give a little shout out to an article I found um, written by Sam Borden, The Remarkable Rise of Leicester City, which was written... um, uh, just kind of just after they won and he wrote being 5,000 to one really put Leicester city more in line with the odds one might see in the novelty category often offered by British bookies bets on things that are so outlandish and unlikely as to be unimaginable. But even there, Leicester city was a long shot. The odds that Simon Cowell, the acid tongued producer of American idol would become the next pri- uh, next British prime minister were 500 to one. For example, while those that uh, while those that thought Hugh Hefner, who founded Playboy magazine, would reveal that he was a virgin, were set to one thousand to one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the odds of Simon Cowell becoming a British prime minister and Hugh Hefner becoming or coming out and saying he's a virgin uh, were shorter odds than Leicester City winning the Premier League um, in August when the season kicked off. Obviously, as the season goes, those odds drop. But opening opening day. You had to play the league 5,000 times for Leicester to win one is the other way to think about it. Huh. Um, another really interesting part of this season was the fact that, and I, I, I was going through some of the FA Cup results for, for Leicester City because it paid off in this season. They lost very early on in the FA Cup to Spurs Um and ironically, Spurs were one of the teams left chasing Leicester. This opened up the entire schedule for Leicester City. So they did not have to play FA Cup games um, in March, April, and May. They were not distracted by anything else. The only games they had to worry about were league games. Um, and that ended up really paying off for them. Um, I'm sure they would have liked to have done well that in the FA Cup, but that that was a big that was a big reason for their ability to finish strong cuz people thought that they were going to fade and they just kept winning um and in the end do you know who finished second that year Both? I can't remember. You can't. Huh. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so I see I block out the I block out all these memories. 
because it, it it happens the same. It's it's always the same. It's it's December. You see a little bit of fire in the clubhouse. January is absolute. Someone's hair is on fire, and in February you're you're just it's it's mayhem. Um, and it always happens. It, this is the club that if I don't have to, I don't want to talk about. <laughs> the club. So. I, I, I love and I hate most in the world. Uh, I block it out, John. I really do. So Leicester City won the league with 81 points. Um, they had, in the 38 games they played, they won 23. They tied 12 and they lost three. Um, Arsenal finished in second with 71. Tottenham Hotspur finished with 70. I In my memory, that season, Spurs were the ones who were really pushing. Arsenal must have finished relatively strong but weren't really contending to win the to win the league, if that makes any sense. We we fizzled out uh, when it got real hot, um, and then Spurs Spurs like once I think Leicester clinched the league early. Spurs kind of fell off the race. Yeah, yeah they they had a couple they had a couple bad draws um, that that let Leicester kind of pull away. Another amazing thing about just looking at the top three that year, so 81 points is not a lot of points to win the league at this point. Um, no. I mean, I, right now, Liverpool already has, what, 60, 62? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the amount of draws that the top three had that year, Leicester City had 12 draws, Arsenal had 11 draws, and Tottenham had 13 draws. That's an incredible amount of ties when you play 38 games. That's, that's almost a third a third of your games you're tying. Um, they just didn't have a lot of losses, obviously. Leicester City had three, Arsenal had seven, and Hotspur had six. But that's the other side of this whole thing is it was the perfect storm for Leicester City. They had the best possible year they could have. Um, Jamie Vardy had the best year as a goal scorer he uh, could have had. He scored in 11 straight games um, at one point, all in all in the Premier League. And the, the good, strong teams all kind of had down years. I mean, the next the next five teams are Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester City finished fourth, United finished fifth, um, Southampton finished sixth, West Ham finished seventh, and Liverpool was eighth. Um, it's amazing to think that Liverpool, Liverpool finished eighth with 60 points. This year's Liverpool would have already beaten last year, this this ilk of, uh, of Liverpool, which is... Chelsea finished 10th. Um, so there's just, it was like the perfect storm of a season for this club to win the league. Um, and the, the lead up to it was interesting. And they really built the team on a budget. And even though they had a, had a chairman who had a ton of money and could spend it, they spent wisely and uh, went and found guys off the scrap heap like Jamie Vardy and, and Golo Conte. I mean, to get those two guys combined for six million pounds is is insane. Yeah. So, so that's uh, that's that's kind of where I I left it off and and finished off. I would recommend anyone who's interested in this and in this and their particular um, this particular season that they won to go and read the article in the New York Times by Sam Borden. Um, it's called the remarkable rise of Leicester city. It's just a, it's a good little kind of just picks a couple datelines and gives you some highlights. And one of those is the Richard, the third, um, piece, but kind of looks at some games. Um, and like one other interesting, one other interesting thing he wrote 
was in uh, October 24th, 2015, and then I'll hand it off to you, Both. The Foxes have enjoyed a strong start to the season. They only lost one game through the first nine games, but have shown inconsistent defense. Looking to motivate his players, Ranieri promises that if they can hold an opponent scoreless, he will buy them all pizza. It's like middle school soccer stuff. Yeah. When Leicester at last produces its first shutout in its 10th game, a one nothing win over Crystal Palace, Ranieri makes good to the players' glee. He extends the uh, proposition to cover future shutouts as well. So that's just kind of like... just it's like a, soccer bad material. Yeah, 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 exactly. For a guy who who's managing his 16th team, he's like, I'm going to buy you guys pizza if you, if you get a yeah. shutout. Um, so... I'm not sure where you picked up picked up Both, or if you have anything you want to say about the lead up or the. I know I just rambled for for a long no, while. I, it's. Uh, I think we we were kind of texting back and forth, talking about how to approach this story, and I think you did a great job. Um, definitely laying down the groundwork and the foundation uh, for the Cinderella run is is fantastic, and then covering that. I think I'll pick up at the pizza. To be honest, um, <laughs> I remember texting my my good friend uh, to me. Who, if he's listening to this podcast, uh, hey, what's up? Shout I'll get on your uh, in a little bit. Um, but I remember texting him and saying that this dude, Claudio Ranieri, takes his team out uh, to pizza. But not only just to eat pizza. The story is that he actually takes them and has them take a pizza-making class together. So <laughs> it's a great bit of man management and kind of team bonding, team, team chemistry that you definitely need in this long, grueling campaign. Um, and it's, it's one of those moments of, I don't know, masterclass, masterstroke touch where you, you don't learn that stuff on a coaching course. You don't learn that stuff, um, you know, in, in your licenses, you learn that kind of after 16 years all over the world. Um, and it's a, it's a, you know, it's genius move. Um, and there were a lot of moments like that where Ranieri just approached this team in a different way. It's, it's, it's a beautiful story. And I really think, um, when this documentary comes out or the movie comes out about Lester's title winning team, it's, it's going to be a great watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I pick up a little bit after that. Uh, so shortly after Claudio and the boys, um, shocked the world. And I, I remember asking like people asking me who don't even watch soccer. Hey, what's this Lester thing going on right now? Um, so it, it definitely transcended soccer and football it, and it kind of permeated into other, uh, areas of my life. Um, but shortly after they shocked the world, uh, Leicester have a, a dip in form in the, in the next season. Um, they are unable to hold off all the suitors and all the kind of vultures of, uh, of the premier league with their big, big spending powers. Um, and unfortunately, uh, lose, I think, and you said it the best, um, kind of their, their, their glue, um, and in, uh, in Golo Kante. Uh, Conte is quickly bought by Chelsea um, in that summer. And if you ask any player um, in the league how Lester won that won that uh, that title, they all would say N'Golo Conte as, as their first two words. Um, so they lose, they lose Conte and lose some other key pieces. And unfortunately, Lester drop off um, and are just kind of wavering around mid-table for a majority of that second season after, or the first season after the title winning season um and i think around february they unfortunately let go of uh ranieri um and part ways with him leaving room for um caretaker uh manager to come in a man who's 
who in my research has popped up a lot as this, I see it like a den mother kind of presence at, at Leicester City, uh, Craig Shakespeare, who I believe is still on staff right now for Leicester. Um, Shakespeare takes over and manages to kind of find some stable ground for, for Leicester uh, the rest of that season and kind of guides them into a 12th place modest finish um, going forward. Uh, beyond Craig Shakespeare, it's it's quickly found out that he isn't the long-term solution for what for, the, for their aspirations. They Lester wants to, you know, I mean, after having touched glory uh, and tasted glory, I, I think you can't really settle for less. Um, so they let go of Craig Shakespeare and then find a way to Claude Puel, uh, a Frenchman who comes in and he seems to have this aura of winning mentality of kind of the, the right chemistry that, that, that you need to revitalize and, and take up, take up Lester, uh, by the reins and, and lead them back into, into success. Unfortunately, Claude, um, doesn't have an easy time and only manages to find, uh, himself finishing ninth place that, that season he takes over from Craig Shakespeare. Um, and then we find ourselves in, uh, a point in time in Leicester city's history that I think, leads us to an intersection that goes to the past uh, or a kind of a flashback. Um, Leicester City, at this point, after letting go of Claude Puel, um, are then looking to sign Brendan Rodgers. And Sean, my turn to ask you, does that name ring a bell? Oh, yeah, I know Brendan Rodgers. He was a Liverpool manager, um, and he, I, I think he's probably most famous or has had the most success, at least, with, with Celtic. Yeah. So, Brendan Rodgers um, is Liverpool manager, and his last season at Liverpool was pretty much when Liverpool were just about to win the league and unfortunately lose the league effectively on this Gerard or infamous Gerard slip. Yeah, that's right. And the writing was in the stars kind of right after that, uh, that the way and manner in which Liverpool lost the league that season, uh, I don't think the board or the fans could really recover from. And it just didn't work out um, in the next season for, for Brendan Rodgers. So unfortunately, he gets sacked uh, not too long into the next season after that title-winning flop. Um, and he ventures over to Scotland with Celtic and says that Scotland Celtic is his boyhood dream club, that he's a Celtic man through and through. He goes on at Celtic to win an unprecedented seven titles in two and a half years. So that's two trebles, the Scottish League, the Scottish Cup, and the Scottish Premier uh, Premier League. Uh, two trebles, and then he clinched one trophy before parting ways and, and before kind of cutting his contract short with Celtic to take over this lesser job. I think even even famously in that little run, he also just kind of neutered Rangers, <laughs> right? right? Like, I mean, it's an old an old school rivalry, and I, Rangers has was just like I think blindsided and and were not very good um, as well. Like, and I think that's partly because he made Celtic so much better than everybody in Scotland. Uh, and Sean, fun fact or trivia question again. Do you know who the manager was of Rangers in this kind of time or this moment? Um, is it an American? No. No, okay. No. Even Gerard. Stephen Gerard was? Yeah. This, I mean, <laughs> it, doesn't get, it doesn't get more 
uh, <laughs> soccer, football than this. Like, this is this is a story through and through. This oh, is beauty of football. Um, how crazy insular and crazy interwoven, interconnected this this whole world is. So yeah, uh, Brendan Rodgers um, absolutely takes Celtic to the next stratosphere and leads them into um, consider winning what they call the Golden Three or the Golden Three and Three. It's three trebles in three years. That I I don't know if any team has done that. Um, But he leaves and he says, Lester's been my job, uh, been my dream job. I can't pass up the challenge and opportunity to take on the project at Leicester. Um, Celtic fans are all heartbroken and want to kind of banish him from their memory and, and their hearts. They feel betrayed. They feel that he lied to them, that he uh, really just kind of stabbed them in the back to leave them mid-season, um, to leave them mid-season and, and leave them stranded uh, when they're on the brink of winning two more titles that year. Uh, they're by far and ahead in the league and we're going to go probably look on to the Scottish cup and win that. Um, and Brennan Rogers lands at Leicester midway through the 1819 season and steadies their ship, guides them to a ninth place, fin- uh, ninth place finish. And he says he's blessed to have had the opportunity to work with Leicester in the moment he did, because it allowed him to kind of look at and see what they needed and approached the, the summer transfer market with a little bit more guile and a little bit more calculation than uh, someone might have if they take over in July, say, or, or even June, for that matter. Um, so he really saw what Leicester needed and what they needed to patch up before taking on this, this next campaign. And, yeah, so we now find ourselves this season, Leicester, at the time of this recording, is in third place just behind Manchester City. For a while, they were in second. For a while, there was even talk about how Leicester might even be the only team that can that can hurt Liverpool with their style of play. Um, but you're talking now a team that is going to qualify for the Champions League. Um, barring any crazy turn of events and any kind of crazy dip in form, Leicester will be in next season's Champions League. This is a Champions League team. A, a team that I think adds a whole new layer of fresh and zest to uh, a tournament that many have complained has become maybe one-sided or too, um, I don't know, driven by money. Uh, it's, it's almost boring for some fans now. They only see you know the PSGs, the Madrids, the Barcelonas, uh, the Liverpools now who you know they've dropped close to a billion in transfer money as well. Um, and Leicester. Yes, they spent a lot of money too. I, I, we cannot ignore that. And they have foreign money and they, they've definitely invested a lot in their youth academy and, and their training facilities. But they for sure um, they for sure are not your average profile in the Champions League. And Brendan Rodgers is, is working magic. He's doing wonders. Um, you know, he's doing a lot to recreate the the team from yesteryear, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, they, they made the quarterfinals of the champions league when they, when they made it, uh, in 2016, 17, after their championship season, which I think also probably has a, a, is a good reason why they finished 12th that year too. They just, (laughs) the amount of energy they had to, uh, to, yeah, they were extended and they lost Conte and, 
But you're right. Like the Champions League at this point, it feels like there's so many games that you that already exist in the country. Like we don't need to see Liverpool and Tottenham play in the finals of the Champions League. They, we see them play twice a year in England. Right. Um, and, oh, and, and actually, you bring up a good point. Um, when when Leicester let go of Ranieri, um, they were they were very much in the business end of the Champions League. They were in the next round of, of the Champions League. Um, and this, this action to let go of Ranieri actually prompted such a crazy reaction from managers alike, saying, even Mourinho was quoted saying, I think the blame is on the players to, to let go and not, not, not give their all for, for Ranieri. Um, so I, I just kind of missed that point just for a second. I want to double back on that. It, um, they've done a lot to recover. They've done a lot to, to get the right man back in the job in Brendan Rodgers. And he's a guy who's, you can say, cut his teeth or recut his teeth in Scotland and has come back into the Premier League and taken it by storm. Um, and really shown that he, he is a man that belongs in the Premier League. He is a coach and manager that is among the best, that is among um, that upper crust. Um, and so I'm excited to, to see them, uh, see where they go this year. Uh, I, I did a little bit of research about Leicester this year and Leicester from that title winning year. And you look at some of their kind of key areas of development. Cassius Michael is still in goal. Yep. And he is putting up numbers that pretty much um, – keep him in line with his numbers back when he won the title. So you've got a keeper who is as reliable as he was back, you know, back a, a few years ago, three years ago now. Um, so that's great. And then you look at that, looking at their center back uh, pairings, you had Wes Morgan, and Robert Huth back in the title winning year and Kalgar Sonyunchu or Sonyunchu uh, and Johnny Evans. Now, have you seen Kalgar, this, this man, who many have called Lord Farquaad. Um, I'm going to take... <laughs> I'm looking at him right now. And so he's a I, Turkish... He's he's Turkish. I feel like I've seen him, but his picture on, on, uh, on Wikipedia looks looks a little different. Is it from Shrek? <laughs> yes, yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. <laughs> and Kaglar, if, if you ever listen to this, I'm so sorry, but it... it what my friends are saying uh, on the street right now. Um, so you've got Kaglar Soyuncu and you've got Johnny Evans. Johnny Evans is a name that might come up and be a little bit familiar for you, Sean. He's a United guy. He's a United guy. Yeah, and he's and he's a Northern Ireland guy. He's like he's one of those guys that sometimes as an Irish as fan of the of the uh, Republic of Ireland team, you just wish they would get rid of that border and and make one island. Right. Right. <laughs> Anyways. No, so it's kind of the same exact um, chemistry uh, or same exact kind of chemical makeup of a center back pairing. You have you have a West Morgan, you have a Coglar, who are both uh, these stalwarts, these kind of stone walls that you can rely on. Coglar is has got amazing pace um, and can cover so much ground and helps Johnny Evans, um, a man who has done it at top flight, has done it with Manchester United has helped Johnny Evans shore up that back line. Um, and then you look a little further, you've got, um, you're comparing Christian Fuchs and Ben Chilwell, two names who I think um, just exude industry. They, these guys work hard, bust their butt, get up and down the wings, and give Lester that same identity of a team that sits back in, defends low, and then attacks you on the break, and hits you real quick on the counterattack. Um 
looking further into their team, you're looking out now at their center mids, and you find yourself looking at Conte versus Wolfred and Didi. And Didi, I think, uh, and I, I nerd out a lot with stats and, and different score lines and score sheets, and Didi is putting up numbers um, that resemble Conte numbers. Hmm. It, you cannot you cannot replicate what Conte did that year. Conte is a world class player. He goes on to win win the World Cup later on. Um, so Conte is in his own class. Conte is going down as one of the greats. As I think one of our greatest uh, center defensive mids of this generation. Oh yeah, for sure. And Didi is a young is a young kid coming up and putting up some serious numbers. Uh, a funny tweet I found by Stats Bomb is Ndidi, see ball, take ball, repeat until submission. <laughs> he's about the same age as, as Conte was that winning year right. too. Maybe a little. He's 23 right now. Right. Just turned 23. Um, so while Ndidi isn't putting up the same numbers, he's putting up numbers that don't make it too much of a crime to refer to Conte's performance in, in that title winning year. Um, and then, you know, fast forward now, you've got um, James Madison comparing himself with Riyad Mahrez. Riyad Mahrez, obviously, like you said, one of the most important last puzzle pieces of the title winning year. A man who just seemed to, you watch him, just seemed to score every time you watch him. James Madison is this kind of exciting young prospect. He's a young guy coming up for England, and everybody's kind of pumped up for him and what he's got to offer down the line in the future. Yeah, we'll see how long he's on uh, Leicester City. Right. He, I mean, he's, he's exciting to watch, and, and Leicester uh, have found their their replacement, uh, I guess, for Riyad Mahrez um, in, in a young kid who's coming up. I think I think he's 22 years old, and he's being this, I don't know, this different uh, bit of flair that, that Leicester have found uh, in the past in, in Mahrez. And then finally, but not, not at all, um, anybody um, worth forgetting – is Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy is the same man leading the line. He's a little older now. He's at, at 32 or 33 years old now. Um, and he's still a threat. He's still a guy that that gets forward, gets in your face, and just makes your life hard. He's not shooting as much, according to stats that I found, again, from StatsBomb and, and um, WhoScored.com. Um, he shot more per game in the title winning year. Uh, but he's still putting up numbers that are seriously, seriously threatening. In just 12 matches, Vardy has scored 11 goals. Yeah. I mean, he's playing well enough that, that there's talk of him coming back and playing for England again. I don't see why not, especially if Kane uh, right now is facing a race against fitness, against time uh, for fitness to to get healthy for the Euros. Yeah. So. You know, getting him into some some of those friendlies in March uh, wouldn't be a bad idea at all. Yeah, he wouldn't be a bad partner for Rashford. No, not at all. I think Rashford's got the, the pace. He's got the got the kind of veteran status. Um, it'd be it'd be interesting pairing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this team that Brendan has built or reconstructed, and you know, definitely taking some some older inspiration, I think is looking like something that could be fun to watch next season in the Champions League. Again, I, I don't want to jinx them. I don't want to hope uh, or get too far ahead of myself. But we could see this team adding some some players, adding a little bit of, uh, you know, reinforcements in the summertime and, and seeing what they do. Um, for me, personally speaking, Brendan Rodgers is coming in, you know, with a lot to prove. Um, I think um, 
he's coming in with this kind of chip on his shoulder. He's a little bit mad, a little bit maybe frustrated. He couldn't bring home that that title for for Liverpool, um, and he's got a lot to prove. Um, for him, he hasn't done great in Champions League in his history with Celtic and Liverpool. Um, so he has a little bit of a battle to fight on that front as well. Um, and kind of all eyes are, are on him. He's got a lot of critics to, to shut up and silent um, in his project coming coming forward this year and then even next year. So so you're guaranteeing Leicester City gets Champions League spot? Yeah, it's a, I mean... Just watch the other games of the teams in that top four race. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> you know, like you, I've, I've got this this picture of this, like I think this image I sent you uh, one time on a text. It's like uh, a a drawing of a kid walking walking one direction, a drawing of another kid right behind him, and he's holding uh like like a club or a bat, and every image or every object in that image is labeled Arsenal. <laughs> um. And Arsenal are just dropping points, you know. So uh, Tottenham's a little bit unsteady right now. They've they've got this manager Mourinho now, who's a little um, a little nervous, a little shaky in this moment for for, for Tottenham. Uh, Kane's out injured. They need uh, a true number nine, an out and out number nine. Delhi Alley's he's not really kind of playing at his best. Christian Eriksen, who is ever linked with uh, a, a move abroad. Uh, Chelsea are up and down. They, I think, are the best best shot at number four right now. Um, with United kind of being up and down, Wolves Wolves could could do it, but they would need a run that would rival, you know, some of the best runs yeah. uh, in the past. Um, and yeah, I, I think Leicester is is got enough of a cushion, got enough of. A, a buffer between their their other competitors in in four and below yeah i so, guess yeah, i guess you're right but it looks pretty safe yeah yeah um, they, they're sitting third place with 45 points and chelsea's six points behind them in fourth and they they are 11 points clear of fifth place which is the spot they want to avoid right um and that's united yeah and you gotta think that as lesser get into the business end of the season Brennan Rodgers um, must see that that big paycheck um, at the finish line of qualifying for Champions League. Yeah, um, you know, Lesser get this huge windfall as a club and as a team. I'm sure Brennan's got some kind of contract in his clause or clause in his contract uh, about a Champions League top four finish. Um, and I mean, you're looking at potentially a really interesting uh, transfer market this coming summer if Lesser book third place or even fourth, um, being able to offer. Champions League time to to some prospects. Yeah, it could either help them bring guys in, or they they can sell off a guy like Madison and bring in two right. two lower lower salary guys who could fill out their roster a little bit because that's what they're going to have to do again. They're going to have yeah. to they're going to have to add some depth. Yeah, I I I'm excited to see to see this team. I, I think. A lot of the teams we've covered um, in the past podcast have been these teams that are setting themselves up for some pretty cool stories next year, and some pretty cool stories this uh, this end or this coming spring, uh, around May or April. Um, and Leicester is for sure one of them. They're they're a, a team that's on the other end of the spectrum of qualifying for Champions League and and really doing the dance up in Europe. Um, but they've got the man to do it they've got Brendan Rodgers and I think he's 
fully taking advantage of of Lester's investments and Lester's use of their of the resources in youth academy setup in team investments uh, as well as training infrastructure and being um, really astute and really kind of shrewd with their with their approach to this this project I think they're looking at four years um, going forward and seeing where we can go in four years they might want to become just a top four picture and and see what they can build off of going forward from from just securing top four status well and that was almost the 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 jinx of them actually winning a premier league title it's like once the dog catches the the car what is the dog going to do with the car you know and and they clearly just they they started chasing another another premier league win and that wasn't likely and so they've they start firing managers again and finishing the middle of the table and people are frustrated. Um, and now it does seem like they've got some st- stability and they have a sense of who they are and also of just like what they can be. And if you hang around that top four for long enough, you start to attract players and you start to create your own luck. And that's when you can, that's when you find yourself in first or second place again in you know February or March trying to win a league. Um, but they, I just think, I think they got it so far and over their heads when they won that they didn't know what to do. I think, yeah, I think they, they were in some ways ahead of schedule. Yeah. Uh, they were in some ways just, um, they, they beat their mark. Yeah, that's a, yeah, um, that's true. So, uh, right now, um, I think the saying is if you've done it once, it's easier to do it again. Um, they've already kind of tasted that. They've, they've, they've been through it. They've got players that have lived that and dealt with that pressure, dealt with that, uh, with those nerves and jitters that come up in a, in a title winning campaign. Um, and I think it becomes easier. I, uh, you last, you asked Sir Alex Ferguson and he says for sure his most important win, um, in his career is the first one he won for Manchester United. Oh yeah. Uh, you just get over the hump. Right. You get over the hump and it, it seems to become just easy now. Uh, so I, I wonder if, you know, if they if they become this top four, um, this top four uh, presence for, for a few years, and like you said, attract some players down the line, they might look at at a run. They might look at some trophies. If it's not the, the Premier League, it could be a run in the Champions League, and it could be maybe an FA Cup or something yeah. um, of, of that nature. I, I do see more trophies on uh, on the horizon for for Leicester. I don't know in what form. I don't know how big it is, but. I do think Leicester is in is in for some success uh, in the near future, especially with the core that they're, they're building right now. Yeah, and with with some of the the typical top six teams also trying to find their footing, you know, right. like that. It's, it's another window of opportunity for them. I think as I think they're they're a year ahead of the Manchester Uniteds and the Tottenham's and the Arsenal's and even like an Everton, you know, like those teams that just want to spend money and have money to spend. Um, Leicester seems like they have a little bit more talent and a manager that they like, which is important. But as we've known, those managers' jobs are never are never very comfortable. No, no, no. <laughs> um, all right. So we should uh, we should wrap up next week. We're going to do Blackburn. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be a very fun one. I'm. I think that one might be the least for me uh, the least known yeah. project. Yeah. I think. So that would be fun. Well, and you were uh, you were on the younger side when they actually won the Premier League. Yeah, I right. might have been still in diapers. 
Yeah, you might have been because it was, I think, 94, um, 95. Alan Shearer, and I just know they beat out United, and I was I was old enough to care. 11 or if I was wearing old. diapers in 94, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you were just out of them, maybe. Yeah, yeah, out of them, running around, doing some things. Um, all right, Bothwell, enjoy New York, and um, we will we'll talk later on about Blackburn. And thanks for everyone to, uh, for listening, and uh, we'll 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 talk next week. Thank you, Sean. Uh, I think I might be recording from New York again, so when we see Blackburn, so awesome. Talk. All right. See you, Sean. See you.